topic this morning is keeping the faith. We are a faith-based community, accepting of many religious faiths. We gather here each Sunday and share fellowship through the worship experience. I hope you all had the chance to be here last Sunday or to listen to the archive sermon from our visiting minister, Reverend Scott Samler Michael, who spoke so eloquently about maintaining an attitude of gratitude, which in many ways defines our faith as Unitarian Universalists and helps us to apply our faith as outlined in our seven principles. And how timely, as we prepare to celebrate our national holiday of Thanksgiving, the traditional kickoff of our winter holiday season, a season filled with so many activities and memories, many dating back to our childhoods, family reunions and feasts, giving gifts, perhaps making and eating our favorite candies and sweets. The season carries with it iconic images of idyllic scenes we may have seen in Norman Rockwell paintings or favorite movies, and more recently, coffee commercials on television. But we know that these depictions of such bliss are not what we all remember or even experience today. Some of us grew up in less than ideal environments, with broken families, broken dreams, all with a tendency to magnify during the holidays that sense of what we wished we could have had and didn't. Many of us enter the holiday season and, more importantly, our day-to-day living throughout the year, wondering how we really can keep the faith, how we can keep on keeping on, to borrow a phrase from the 60s, when we're burdened with everyday stress, perhaps from sad, even melancholy memories, from obligations at work or at home, perhaps from loneliness and loss, maybe from illness or injury to ourselves or loved ones. We look for a way to move forward, and many of us come to our faith-based community in search of answers and inspiration. I have no magic words this morning, nor will I offer solutions to any specific problems, but I will talk for a bit about five watchwords that I believe can help because they have helped me to lead a better life than when I first walked through those doors a little over eight years ago. These words are primacy, passion, planning, preparation, and perseverance. But first I'll briefly address some barriers or obstacles uh, that can get in our way. Many we've developed ourselves for our own self-protection, but we should be aware of them. The first word Primacy, the state of being first, as in your own primacy. We, as individuals, must come first. This doesn't mean we get to act like dictators or crying infants, but we have to start with the firm belief that we are important and we come first. Yes, we want to serve others, but we have to respect our own self-worth and take care of ourselves first, or we can be of little use to others. 
Our seven principles as you use start with our affirmation of the inherent worth and dignity of every person. That includes and begin with, begins with yourself. Remember the safety rules on an airplane? In an emergency, you have to put your oxygen mask on first so you can be safe to help those around you. And if you ever doubt your own importance, please remember this quote from Dr. Seuss. To the world, you may be one person, but to one person, you may be the whole world. Most of us get many chances throughout our lives to be the whole world. Shakespeare wrote in As You Like It, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. He then elaborates on many of the roles we play in our lives, from the infant to the lover, the soldier, the judge, all the way to the last scene of all, with its second childishness and mere oblivion. There is much wisdom in this passage, as we all get the chance to play important roles in the world. Parents, as siblings, as friends, as others are doing the same. That brings us to the second watchword, passion, which derives from love. An emotion so important, we begin our congregational covenant with it. Love is the spirit of this church. We give and receive love here by our words and actions. Most of us know instinctively who and what we love. Sometimes we need clarification. And I like the words of John Bradshaw on the subject when he said, you give your time to the things you love. So it doesn't hurt from time to time to do a self-assessment. Where are we spending our time and our efforts? Make sure the time you spend matches the love you profess. When you're ready to follow your love, you'll be ready for it to instill in you, if it hasn't already, a passion for living and a pathway to pursuing your passions. Whether they be family, faith, work, hobby, political cause, let your love and your passion lead you to the kind of life where you can be in a position to keep the faith, to keep on keeping on. Now, most of us do experience the barriers and obstacles I talked about earlier, which can inhibit our pursuits. Many have their origins in the pain we felt earlier in our lives. From the notebooks of F. Scott Fitzgerald comes this Egyptian proverb, the worst things, to be in bed and sleep not, to want for one who comes not, to try to please and please not. We've experienced these painful events, which may have led us to harbor old resentments. We can stop ourselves from positive action when we focus on our anger and our negative feelings about people from our past or the past actions from people who are still very much in our lives. I don't have a magic wand to make these feelings disappear, but for inspiration, I will share this quote from Esther Lederer, better known as the original Ann Landers. Hanging on to resentment is like letting someone you can't stand live rent-free in your head. Whenever possible, find a way to let go of resentment. Another obstacle can be loneliness, the kind that keeps us alone, avoiding contact with others to the point where we draw ourselves into an impenetrable shell 
As a lifelong introvert, I know only too well how a spiral of loneliness can lead you into withdrawal. Again, I don't have a magic cure, but your mere presence here today is evidence of your desire to connect with others. We offer a safe haven here, so let us help when you need this place and this community. If you can come here and to other gatherings where you feel comfortable with folks who share your beliefs, your passions, you can find others in the same boat as yourself. You may even find that very special person, if you haven't already. As author Robert Brault says, you will not find a soulmate in the quiet of your room. You must go to a noisy place and look in the corners. I can tell you from personal experience that this is true. Yet another obstacle is plain old-fashioned fear of failure. I've been saddled with that one at other points in my life, and I still occasionally struggle with it. I have, as Peggy mentioned earlier, and as many of you know, a passion for singing and performing, and early on, my worst nightmare was that I would, during a performance, screw up royally. A very wise lady I consulted about this asked me very simply, what would happen if I did indeed lay a huge egg on the stage? I would be embarrassed, I said, and ashamed. She asked, and then what would happen? I had to say that I would continue the performance as best I could and work to improve so it wouldn't happen again. The world would not end, and no one would see me as a worthless person if I had a momentary failure. So I'll share with you one story that actually did happen to me. Uh, In my barbershop quartet, we were uh, engaged by a young man to uh, come sing immediately after he proposed to his girlfriend. This was at Lake Ann Village over in Reston. It was on the one-year anniversary of their first date, and he was going to propose as they walked out next to the lake. And after she presumably accepted, we would walk out and sing our two songs. And so we, we had to, his sister came and told us where we could hide so we wouldn't be seen. And we waited, and we saw him drop to the knee, and everything went, went great. And so we went out, and we sang our songs. And then his sister came to take pictures of the event. And she thought that the little walkway where we were standing next to the lake was too narrow, so we would walk down to the end where there appeared to be a little bit more room. So we walked down, and as I, I was a little bit ahead of everybody else, so I thought, well, I'd better step to the side to make room for everybody. So I took a step, which wasn't really there. There was a lake there. <laughs> so I literally took a dive, and uh, <laughs> quickly, thank God, I found out I was in water up to here after I came, came up. And, uh, but my quartet mates had to hoist me out of, of the water because I couldn't lift myself up on, onto the pier. And we stood there, and I lost my glasses. I couldn't see my cell phone was fried. And so we took this <laughs> picture in deep embarrassment. I'm standing there with a puddle at my feet. We all have tux pants and a nice vest. And... But, but at the end of it all, uh, that young couple had a very nice memory, I think. <laughs> They'll never forget it. By the time we were walking back to the car, and I was squishing along. And, my friends were laughing, and then I got to laughing, and we laughed all the way home. My friends had to drive me because I couldn't see without my glasses. But uh, and the world didn't end. Nobody thought I was a complete failure, and, and we've had a lot of laughs about that through the years. 
So, we have to take chances where we might fail in order to succeed. And this brings us to the next watchword, planning. We can pursue our passions much more effectively when we plan effectively. And this process, as silly as it may sound, starts with the ending. You must have an end goal in mind in order to plan effectively. Then work backwards to identify the steps you need to take. Now, this sounds so sensible that you'd wonder how we'd ever do anything differently. But I can tell you from painful personal experience that I have indeed made many fits and starts without a clear identification of the ending. How many times do we start down pathways because it's always been done that way? Because everybody says this is the way. Or this way looks the easiest. I'd like to suggest that approaching the pursuit of a passion could be like planning a theatrical production, where you first look at how the performance should appear, then work backwards from dress rehearsal to earlier rehearsals, and costuming, set decoration, and production and casting all the way back to the selection of the production itself. It makes little sense to commit valuable time and effort without adequate planning. And that starts with selecting realistic goals and planning ahead. Here's another quote from Robert Brault. I found this fellow. He's rather obscure, but he has great quotes. The trick to getting things done is to list things to do in a doable order. After the planning comes preparation. There is no axiom in sports and business and the performing arts. When you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. You have to make sure your planning process gives you the scenario and the tools to adequately prepare for your endeavor. In the performing arts, we rehearse, we practice our techniques, and we get help and direction from those more experienced and knowledgeable than ourselves. In our story for all ages, even our apparently hapless penguin prepared for his unlikely flight by heading to flight school. He prepared by putting himself in the hands of experts and ultimately achieved a measure of success. We prepare effectively by equipping ourselves with tools to succeed. We train, we practice, we learn, and we ask for help from those more experienced than ourselves. We can seek counseling. And again, I can affirm how well this works from personal experience with paid professionals and from our own ministers. We have resources available to us through our faith community and in the general community to help us prepare in pursuing our passions. And they work. And then, of course, after all we have done to get motivated and prepared, we need perseverance to keep the faith. We have identified some obstacles, and we will undoubtedly face more, often from unexpected sources. But if we use all of our resources to keep trying, we can take the pathways we want in pursuit of our passions. And here, we can return to our church's covenant for inspiration. Love is, indeed, the spirit of our church, as we come together to support each other through trials and temporary failures. And all through each of the five watchwords, we can also draw on our Judeo-Christian heritage for what is called the greatest commandment, love thy neighbor as thyself. If we let that mantra guide our actions, we can dig deep for the motivation to keep the faith, to keep on keeping on. It all starts with belief in ourselves it is fueled by our love for others, especially in our church. And in the end, it is by actions that we pursue our passions in a spirit of love and compassion that 
will in the end help our neighbors. And I will close with another with a poem, another one from Robert Brault. This is this is entitled A Poem Missing the Word Wuda. A nod, a bow, and a tip of the lid to the person who coulda and shoulda and did. Now, if you will stand and join us in singing hymn number 131, Love Will Guide Us.